Network presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. We're here for our NFL recap and review of Week 11 of the NFL season. And, of course, it's Thanksgiving week, so we're going to get into a little bit of our picks and plays on a special Turkey Day edition. So, Double features here. We'll be back, of course, on Friday to get into the rest of the games. But uh, with uh, the games starting a little bit early this week, uh, we're going to get into a mini uh, pick and preview along with our review of Week 11. With us, as always, is Achilles Rain. Are you ready to talk about some of these Week 11 games? I am as ready as can be. All right. First question. After Week 11... Who are the good teams in the NFL? You know, last season, we had a better idea of exactly where teams stood, who the team, good teams were and who the bad teams were. Uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on, on our show that there isn't any team that I truly believe that is unbeatable at this moment. I think that any team can lose to just about any any team uh, i don't think it really matters what the record is uh, i think matchups are a big part of it and not just that but um injuries are obviously playing a big role in this season as well so i don't think we can get a clear picture as far as who the actual best teams are but i think we have at least a good idea but again nothing certain in the nfl this season yeah uh you you talked about it last year i, I don't think there was a great team last year but there was cer- certainly about a maybe five to six team that may be even generous uh, last year when you're really looking at the AFC. Uh, I-, I mean, depending on how serious you took the Bills, really the Chiefs were the only one really seriously that you probably considered coming out of the AFC. And in the NFC, it was probably Saints, Bucks, uh, maybe Packers. You, Packers, maybe you threw the Rams in there. Uh, but, you know, once they started having quarterback issues and Donald, uh, you know, got banged up there at the end of the season, I, I, I don't know if anybody, you know, legit took them as a serious contender, uh, you know, for the Super Bowl by, you know, the sort of end of the season. So it, it was probably a four or five team list. And I, I just went as sort of a, a – exercise you know a couple days ago knowing I was going to ask you this question and I think there are legit 12 teams you could convince me are contenders to win the Super Bowl and then probably 16 or 17 that I would not be totally stunned if they got hot and made a run and somehow got into a, a Super Bowl so that's really how just open uh, this really is. And every time you think somebody's sort of found a rhythm and gotten hot, then there are two or three bad games in a row, and you're like, okay. And then there's teams like Arizona who I don't even know what to do with. They're murdered by Carolina, go up, beat Seattle on the road, have won two of the three games with Colt McCoy in there, and it's just... It's a very, very weird season, a a season of parody. I I don't think we've seen in maybe ever, at least in our lives. But uh, 
certainly not in the most recent, uh, uh, you know, collection of years in the, in, in the, in the NFL. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, even, you know, you think a few years back and there was always at least that one team that you could, you know, look at and be like, okay, this is the top team for the AFC. When you look at teams like, you know, with Tom Brady was back with the Patriots, you always knew that there were going to be some sort of at least threat to, uh, to make noise in that division. Uh, same thing with Drew Brees and the Saints. You know that they were going to make noise and uh, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, Russell Wilson with, with the Seahawks. But this season, uh, and you actually brought it up as we were uh, talking earlier today at uh, the 9 to 5, you mentioned it. This is not a year for favorites. Um, whereas in last year, you had those favorites that you could really depend on. Um, and sure, they lost a few games, but you can almost kind of bank on these guys you know, more than likely winning the game. Favorites are not really winning games as much this season. And uh, I I think it speaks a lot to just the talent uh, disparity in the NFL. Uh, There's talent just about everywhere. And then injuries also are playing a big part too. So it's a really weird season, but I I think it makes for an entertaining season. Yeah. Uh, And and once again, 15 games played uh, this week, eight road winners outright. Uh, so, I mean, it, it continues to just home field means so, so little. I, I think you see that reflected, uh, you know, we'll get more into this on Friday, but in the lines, uh, you know, there are so many games that are one, two point, you know, lines this week. And I think it's because nobody knows what to do with home field advantage. You usually automatically just cast a, you know, three point uh, buffer in there for home field advantage. And I don't think there's a buffer anymore. So it just, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad season. It's just really, really weird, especially, you know, on the gambling side of things, because you literally do not want your, know what you're going to get, uh, week to week from pretty much any team in the league, other than the Jets are probably going to be bad. Yeah. It's made it a lot harder for us, uh, experts to uh, predict winners uh, this season, but I'm having fun though. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's start it out with uh, one of those uh, teams we thought was a contender and, you know, continues to sort of uh, just be perplexing. Uh, The Bills, uh, 41, 15 losers. Once again, at home, Uh, a team where you would think there would be a home field advantage in Buffalo. Uh, just trounced in this game, and they're sort of a trend all season long of their six wins. They've won by 15 or more points, and if they aren't killing you, they're losing the game, and they lost this game. You know, Jonathan Taylor continued to go off uh, 32 carries, 185 yards. Uh, Wentz, I mean, he he didn't even have to do anything, basically. This game was over, you know, uh, by the midway point of the second quarter. So it, it wasn't even wits. Allen continues to be, uh, you know, hot and cold, uh, much more turnover prone this year than he has been in the last couple years. Uh, you know, I don't think that line's holding up uh, very well at all. And then, uh, you know, the rushing attack. Once again, not really great. Singletary, three carries for 17 yards. Uh, Brita did have five carries for 51 yards, uh, but one of those was a 28-yard run that came, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, basically, no rushing attack once again. We knew that coming into this Colts game, but, uh, you know, Colts on fire now. Bills 
continue their sort of streaky play of not knowing what you're going to get? What'd you make of this game? Uh, you know, I thought this game was a little surprising. Now we both, I believe took the Colts uh, when we were making our bets, but I don't think either of us expected this type of performance. I thought that they'd be able to cover the spread. I didn't, I wasn't quite sure that they'd come up with a win, let alone a complete domination. Um, as you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor just completely went off, uh, scored five touchdowns in that game, and basically single-handedly beat the, you know, the defending uh, AFC East champs. And again, I think this speaks to exactly what we were just talking about: is you don't know exactly who's going to win these games, regardless of the pedigree of the team and you know where they stood last season. Uh, obviously the Bills made it really far last season, not quite to the end, but they made it pretty far. And a lot of us anticipated that this season, they would probably take it a step further. Um, I still think the Bills are a really good team, but as you mentioned, their Achilles heel right now is the fact that they don't have a rushing attack and it's really limiting what Josh Allen can do. And it's causing him to have turnovers. Um, if you look at the stats in the games that they've won, where they score a lot of points, the running attack tends to be at least somewhat formidable, whether it be through Allen or through a, uh, a host of running backs in the backfield, they have decent running, uh, running stats. And in the losses, it, it seems to be, as you mentioned, you know, Nothing. where are these running backs? Yeah. And, and that's basically, you know, how we're going to, I think how it's going to go for the rest of the season for the bills is if they can't get their running game going, they're probably going to end up losing that game. And if they can't score a ton of points, uh, which usually comes off of a balanced attack, they're probably going to lose. Um, and I, even though I didn't expect this type of a defeat, um, I thought it'd be a lot closer than, than, you know, than it actually ended up being, but I still thought the bills would come out on top. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a, a bit about this Buffalo defense. You know, it, it's been really, really good all season long, uh, highly rated. Uh, but when you sort of look at their schedule, it, it's played a lot of uh, what we'd say would be bottom-tier, low-level offenses. This was probably the best offense they've come up against, you know, uh, give or take that Chiefs game. And, you know, at the time they played the Chiefs, uh, it, it was lucky if they could get 10 points on the board. Um, are, are you a believer in this Buffalo defense, or did this game sort of remind you more of last year's Buffalo defense. And as their schedule turns a little bit, you know, they got two games with the Pats coming up. They got a game with the Bucks. Are are we going to see more and more leaks on the Buffalo defense? Or do you just, you know, Jonathan Taylor and that, uh, you know, offensive line of the Colts uh, just had things going and you sort of scratch that off? I mean, I think you have to take this game into account at least a little bit. It, it has to at least in the back of your mind when you're thinking about this Buffalo defense. Um, they haven't been stellar all season long, but we have seen them at points be extremely, extremely good. Um, and as you mentioned, it, it has been against, you know, mid-tier opponents. But even so, this season, I don't think you can count out the mid-tier teams, you know, unless you're talking about a team like the Lions or the, or the Jets any team can pull off a win. So I'm not really discounting those mid-tier wins as, oh, you know, they play good defense, but it was against a bad team. I'm not taking that into account. I think that anyone is beatable, and I think anyone can win a game this season. So because of that reason, I'm not going to downgrade this Bills defense. I think we've seen enough from them this season to say, 
they're slightly better than they were last season. And if they can play well enough, you know, going forward, they'll be okay. So I'm not too worried about it, but it is in the back of my head. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's flip things over to Indianapolis a little bit here. Uh, now six and five. We, we talked about it a lot, how that early slate, they probably get off to a slow start. They found their way back like we thought they would, you know, uh, the schedule turns back around here. Uh, a handful of tough games coming up, including this week at the Buccaneers. Uh, we'll get into the Titans a little bit uh, later, but uh, division-wise here, they're at 6-5. and five. Tennessee's at 8-3. and three. It's a two-game lead, but really it's a three-game lead because, you know, Tennessee swept them out of, out of those two games. Is there any chance, uh, you know, that they could creep back into this division here, or is it just you know, making up a three-game hole, already been swept by Tennessee, too much to ask, and they're just going to have to fight for that wild-card spot. Because, uh, you know, you look at the wild-card spot, and, you know, we already talked about it earlier. Race. There are probably eight teams all sitting around, you know, four and six to six and five to five and five to four and five. I mean, everybody is there. Chance for a division here or they're just going to have to go the hard way and try to sneak in that wild card spot. So normally I would say they have to try and, and vie for one of those wild card spots. Okay. But they do have one thing going for them. Well, actually they have a couple of things going for them. The first is that they've actually started playing really good football. Uh, Carson Wentz, you really didn't need him this game, but overall he's been performing pretty well. He's actually managing the game quite well, relying a lot on his defense and his rushing attack, and then just kind of throwing the ball when he has to throw the ball and make plays when he has to make plays. So that's one thing they have going for them. The second thing they have going for them is that the the opposing, the team that they're going up against for the uh, division title, Tennessee Titans, lost probably their best player, uh, and he's out for the rest of the year. Potential of him coming back during, you know, the Super Bowl if they can make it that far, but they, that's another thing they have going for them is Titans lost their best player. And um, you kept saying that there's going to be some aggression there. We yeah. saw it a little bit this Four last week. This week. <laughs> we'll get to that game. Yeah, so, yeah we'll, we'll talk about, the, about that a little more in detail once we get to that game. But as you mentioned, just the fact that they don't have their best player, I think, gives them a little bit of hope. I know that, you know, we're getting to that point in the season where every game becomes that much more significant. Uh, but I think that if I'm a Bills fan, I'm sorry, a Bills fan, a Colts fan, and I'm looking at the division. I'm like, okay, yes, they have a two-game lead on us. Yes, they beat us, but they don't have their best player. And if they lost this week, they can lose next week, and they can lose the following week. So then you start looking at who you've got coming up. Yeah, you got some tough opponents, but you've also got some games that are winnable there. So I think they they have to just focus on winning games, and the rest will take care of itself. I know it sounds very cliche, but that's pretty much, I think, where they're at right now. Focus yeah. on you, win games, and try to do the best you can. Yeah, I, I would say uh, this week, as the Titans go to the Patriots, the Bucks come to Indianapolis, uh, you know, you, you don't usually say out of division, out of conference games are really, really meaningful. But if they could pull that win over the Bucks, and the Titans probably lose to the Patriots, then you're sitting one loss behind in the uh, loss column there. And, and I think that starts to play in the minds of the Titans where the pressure ramps up a little bit there. So I, I think this week's game's really important if they want to try to s maybe sneak in and steal that division if they can. All right, uh, last question on this. Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, leading the league in rushing now. 
I, I don't really love the MVP discussion, but, you know, it's interesting here because I'm going to put a gambling. You know, uh, two weeks ago probably would have been a better time to take it when he was about 150 to 1, but he's still 20 to 1 to win the MVP here. Now, that being said, uh, they don't give the MVP to running backs. Uh, last year, Derrick Henry had a ridiculous season, and he received zero votes uh, for MVP. Um, so I, I think it's a little helpful this year that no quarterback has really uh, taken the lead here. Would you dabble a little bit on that 20 or one, or do you just think by the end of the year, some quarterback's going to have some fakey numbers, and that's who's going to win the MVP? Now, I'm, I'm going to be real here for a moment, okay? And, you know, we love to give Dynamite a hard time. He's a huge Tennessee Titans fan. And we love to just kind of poke the bear. But um, I, I wouldn't take any action on that. And, and simply because of this, as you mentioned, Derrick Henry last season had a great season, and he got zero votes. Um, and I know that right now Taylor's leading the league in rushing, but it also took uh, Derrick Henry being out for, what, two weeks, three weeks now? Um for him to be able to surpass him. So I wouldn't be too excited about that. He's having a great season and I think he'll keep it up. Not quite to this extent. I think he can keep it up enough to where he he'll be in the talks, but it's hard for a running back to really, you know, be considered uh, MVP. I'm trying to remember the last time we had an actual MVP for a running AP back. I think he won it uh, the aforementioned AP, which is a joke. Well, on Tomlinson. Did he get it? Uh, I think Tomlinson got in maybe 2004, 5, or 6, one of those years. Marshall Falk? I don't know if Falk got it. I thought Warner got it. It could have been. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's, well, you, you look at you know look at that Rams team. Yeah. You know, it basically went and came and went with Marshall Falk. And as you mentioned, he quarterback got it. It's just It's just the way the league works. You know, it's. It's, he's having a great year, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but, uh, you know, it took Derrick Henry being out for a couple of weeks for him to be able to surpass him. So um, I think that in itself says a lot. So I wouldn't take any action on it, but, you know, if you're a Colts fan, it's it's a, something to hang your hand on. You know, put five bucks on it and, uh, and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. Two running backs have won it since 2000. Uh, LT, uh, you mentioned it, who – Basically had the uh, greatest season of a running back uh, probably ever with uh, catches and, uh, you know, rushing yards and touchdowns combined. And, and then AP got it that year that he uh, he came back, uh, you know, six months after tearing his ACL. So, uh, you know, maybe if Jonathan Taylor can blow out his knee this week and then come back a week later and, and continue to rush for 150 yards a game, there might be a chance. So. Or, or catch 150 balls from here to the end of the season. Yes, and uh, also then rush for almost 2,000 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that also, yeah, you can't forget that. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll move on. Um, I think uh, both these teams are just ones no feel uh, whatsoever. Uh, Washington football team pulls off the win here, 27-21 over the Carolina Panthers. Washington moves to 4-6. and six. Panthers moved to five and six. Um, you know, a, a couple things on this game. Little disappointed in the Panthers' defense. This is the worst I'd seen him. Uh, Washington pretty much controlled this game. And then you go to the Panthers' side of thing. I, I like Cam Newton 
but he can't pass the ball. I don't understand why they didn't play P.J. Walker. You know, the longest pass completed in this game for Carolina was 13 yards. It's just you aren't going to win games with him playing quarterback. He just can't throw the ball past five yards anymore. You have P.J. Walker. He can throw the ball. It doesn't even blend with the team when you have Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, two receivers who are burners who are big play receivers. So I don't understand, other than, you know, you're probably sold out the stadium this week, why you're using Cam Newton when we all can see what Cam Newton is. It's entertaining when he runs, but he can no longer pass the ball. And he's quarterback. So... You know, that was my big takeaway here. Uh, I I don't know if the Panthers can win games with him at quarterback. Uh, Funny enough, Washington's defense finally sort of played okay without uh, any of their their, best uh, best players. But uh, what did you make of this one? Yeah, this one was a little surprising to me. And and it's more uh, shocking on the defensive side of of the ball for Carolina. I thought that... Defensively, they'd show up enough to where they'd bother the offense of the Washington football team enough to cause them to make mistakes and not put up any points on, well, not as many points. Uh, as you mentioned, I also did predict that I thought we'd see a, a little bit of uh, PJ in there, you know, at least mixed in from time to time. Um, I was shocked that they didn't play him. You know, you look at the numbers for Cam Newton and they're a little deceiving um, because they look pretty good. You know, I believe he had a pretty high completion percentage. Yeah. Um, he threw for a decent amount of yards. Uh, he had a couple of touchdowns, no picks. So the numbers look very deceiving. But in reality, the, the reason why the completion percentage is so high is because, as you mentioned, it, these are, you know, passes that are basically thrown within five yards. Uh, they're basically dink and dunk passes and check downs and things like that. So um, those are a little easier to complete. And I don't think the Carolina Panthers at this point are focused on winning. I think they've basically you know, watch this season. And this is the reason why they signed Cam Newton. Um, They're basically more concerned about selling seats right now and trying to keep fans in the seats, keep fans interested in what's basically going to turn out to be a failure of a season, Um, you know, by their standards. They had a bunch of injuries. They obviously lost McCaffrey a couple times this season, which was uh, really hurtful for that team. And I think going forward, that's basically what we're to expect from this team. Don't expect them to try and come out and win games. Obviously, you know, they're, they're all, all these players have a lot of pride and they're going to try their best to win a game, but the makeup of the team doesn't, doesn't speak to that. So uh, I just, if that defense doesn't play well, this team's not going to win games because with that offense, Cam Newton's not going to lead them anywhere. We know what we're getting from him. And with all due respect to him, I know he sells tickets and he's a, a, a crowd pleaser and everything. And he's a good He's a good leader. He's a, he's a good voice. You know, he voices his team's opinions and his feelings and emotions. Um, it's just, it's just not winning football. And, you know, no matter what you say, no matter who you have back there, if that defense isn't doing their job, it's going to make it that much harder. So that's all I have to say about the Carolina Panthers really. Um, just really disappointed. I thought they'd show up and, and they really didn't. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you could sum this up. Third downs, Carolina went two of nine. Fourth downs, they went one of three. You know, that that sort of shows their offense can't do anything. They're in third and longs. They're in fourth and longs. And that's because they can't stretch the field, though 
their two receivers are two of the best field stretchers uh, in football. Uh, you know, let's flip it to Washington really quickly. Uh, four and six. They put together a couple wins here. Uh, you know, uh, Heineke, I, I don't know if I'd call him good, but uh, I, I think he's professional enough to win football games in the NFL, which is sort of all you can ask for. Um, any life in this Washington football team or they've just, you know, hit a streak here where they're playing a couple other bad teams and, uh, you know, you roll the craps dice and uh, they've hit sevens a couple times. You know, I've stated it a few times before. Uh, I've noticed that there's plenty of teams that when they lose their star player, uh, they come they come out really riled up, uh, especially that first week, you know, after the injury. And I think that's pretty much what happened here. Um, I don't think any of us expected the defense to play the way they did, especially without their best players on defense. So I'm going to chalk this up to them being really motivated to step up for the losses that they suffered. Um, and as far as Heineke's concerned, I think that, he really benefited from having Alex Smith in the locker room last season um, because when I was watching that game, I saw a little bit of Alex Smith in that game, you know, kind of a game manager that can make some plays happen. Um, and, and I mean, he's not going to wow you by any means, but I think that he can win you games as long as you surround him with the right supporting cast. Yeah. Um, if you give him a good defense with a solid running game and, you know, good wide receivers, He'll win you some games. He, he can manage the game, but I don't think he's the answer going forward. If you're looking at a long-term championship type of franchise. Uh, but for now, I think that he's, he's playing good football and, you know, I just don't know if this can continue. That's my only concern. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, we'll flip things over to, uh, Basically, a disgrace of football played out. Uh, the Ravens, who uh, I, I'm not sure how many <laughs> actual of their starters uh, were on the field, um, but somehow beat the Bears, uh, 16-13. Uh, Tyler Huntley was playing quarterback. Um, while I UCLA? Uh, no, that's Brent Huntley. Huntley. Uh, this is Tyler Huntley of uh, the Utah Utes fame. You were in the same there conference. It is. There uh, it is. But uh, I uh, was a fan of him in college. Um, at no point did I think he would be an actual NFL starting quarterback. <laughs> um, but today proved me differently. Um, the winning quarterback. The winning quarterback. <laughs> One, I don't know how Baltimore won this game. Uh, but they did. They're 7-3. and three. Um. The Bears are disgusting, uh, even more so now that all their defensive guys are out. But, uh, wow. Um, somehow Nagy still has a job. I, I beg the Lions to put an end to this this Thursday and win a game so I no longer have to watch this man manage a football game. I, I don't think I trust him running a peewee football game at this point in time. But uh, any takeaway from this game? other than the Bears are just uh, beyond atrocious? No, the only thing I have to say about that is if I'm a Bears fan, I'm completely distraught and heartbroken over this this performance. You know, you had that game in the bag. As you mentioned, 
you're going up against a Ravens team, not just not just a, a good team record wise, but you know one of the top teams in the AFC, and you have an opportunity to, you know, make your team feel good about themselves and and build some positivity going forward, some good momentum, and you completely choked in that second half. Um, I, I don't understand how they even let the Ravens back into this game. Uh, it seemed so one-sided in that first half uh, to the point where I kind of started tuning off. You know, I just didn't think that the Ravens were going to be able to come back. And I, I was completely wrong. You know, kudos to the Ravens. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's really nothing to say. It was, it was just – it just goes to show you there's certain bad teams – that will remind you of how bad they are, regardless of what they've done in the past. You know, the Bears have actually come out and won a few games, uh, as you know, compared to other teams like the Lions, who haven't won a game yet. And in those wins, they looked at least formidable. You know, but you look look at this performance, and and you understand why they sit where they sit in in the division standings, and it was just bad. I I, I was I know you're way more disgusted than I am. But I, I got to say, I was shocked. I didn't think it was going to go down like that. Just watching that first half. Yeah. Uh, I, I did enjoy your boy, Nagy, uh, blowing timeouts in the fourth quarter. Like, they were fun things, uh, especially calling a timeout on, uh, you know, fourth and one on the 49-yard line. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't get into that. I just begged the Lions. Just end it, please. I, I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Lions. Uh, I, I don't think it matters. We'll get into that game because they decided to go back to 1920 and not even attempt a forward <laughs> pass uh, for some reason in a football game that the Cleveland Browns were purposely trying to lose, I think. Uh, but uh, not much you could say. I, I don't know what you could take away from the Ravens here. Uh, none of their offensive players really had any say in this and the, I thought the defense played pretty well, but you know, uh, once Justin Fields went out, the defense didn't even look all that good with LNT Dalton in there. So, uh, you know, it's whatever great win by the Ravens that, you know, was basically, uh, you basically concede that game at that point and are like, let's get people healthy and try to fight next week. Uh, and you end up, uh, somehow winning that game. Uh, we'll go to the aforementioned next game. I already teased it a little bit. Uh, Browns 13, uh, Lions 10. Um, somehow this game managed to be worse uh, than the Ravens-Bears game. Um, I don't really know how, uh, but it was. Uh, all I can say is DeAndre Swift uh, wanted to play football. I'm not sure Dan Campbell and company wanted to. And uh, Baker Mayfield somehow is progressing worse and worse. At what point do we not just put Case Keenum in there? And if you just want to say Baker's hurt, not that he's not any good, I understand that. Uh, but he was absolutely atrocious in this. Uh, luckily, Nick Chubb was back. But honestly, that second half, I was watching this game because uh, I wanted to put a bet on the Lions uh, to win outright. Uh I didn't end up getting it because uh, for some reason the Lions decided on third and 15 to run a draw play as uh, they're driving down. Um, little confused by that, but uh, uh, what'd you make of this one? Uh, other than the uh, tape should be burned uh, for all time so people in the future don't have to watch it. 
you know, the only thing this game really made clear to me is that there's a huge, huge gap. No, <laughs> no. The only thing it made clear was that because this is the thing, I already know about May Baker Mayfield. I've been saying this for you know years now. Baker Mayfield is best served as a game manager. Keep the ball out of his hands as much as you can until you really need to, and, and you'll be successful. You saw Nick Chubb had a great game, um, and I think they could have fed him the ball even more. Uh, I know that he's just coming off of an injury, so there's probably a little bit of concern there, but. You know, you got you got to try your best to keep the hand the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. Uh, and when you do that, not only do we help him, but you help your team win. He can make plays for you. The problem is he can't always make those plays. He makes mistakes, and you saw that in this game. Um, he had a few nice throws, but overall, he made too many mistakes for me to feel comfortable uh, with him leading my team. Um, now to flip it over to the Lions side of the ball, uh, this is what I was starting off with. What made what this game made clear to me was that there's a huge gap between the starting quarterback, which the head coach was complaining about, you know, uh, weeks back, and their backup quarterback. There's a huge gap. Um, and mind you, I like Jared Goff, and, and I've got a soft spot in my heart for Jared Goff, but he's not an elite quarterback. And when you're talking about how big of a gap there's between him and the backup, that's telling you something. This is why they haven't won a game. This is why they're uh, what? What's the record? Oh, nine and one, uh, or eight. I, I mean, this is. I can't remember. I can't there's even remember. Just too many losses that, to keep track. That disgraceful yes. game the week before. <laughs> yeah, there is a tie, uh, but it, listen, it's just bad. Bad football team going up against a team that just did not game plan correctly. Going, you know, to face up. Now, I will say. Again, nobody in this in this season is unbeatable, and any team can win a game, uh, as the Lions almost proved it to the Browns this week. The Browns, I think, are a much better team than the Lions are, but you saw what happened. They almost lost this game, and they, they had a shot. But I think if Jared Goff was in that game, the Lions would have won that game. Yeah, probably so. Uh, what is your feeling on draws on third and 15 as you're driving down to win the game? <laughs> okay, so... Listen, draws on third and fifteen are a good idea if A you you're the winning the game. No, if A you're winning the game, B, you're deep in your own uh, side of the field, or C, you're a bad coach. I mean that that's about it. Well, I, I think we're gonna have to stomach at least four years of Dan Campbell and uh whatever his coaching... I don't think I don't think he's gonna make it that far. Uh, I've seen the Lions' history. It, it enjoys bad coaching. The only good one they hey, but decided to fire. I will say, Swift looked really impressive in this matchup. I thought that the uh, the Browns' defense would be able to at least contain him to a, to an extent. But he, he was he, he looked really yeah. good. I mean, you know, uh, not to sound cheesy, but he looked very swift out there. Yeah. Well, keep that in mind uh, as we preview our Thanksgiving Day games. There might be a couple <laughs> props in there. Um, all okay. right, uh, we'll go next up. This one wasn't much of a game either. Uh, 49ers 30, Jaguars 10. Uh, the 49ers seem to have found at least a little bit of rhythm here. Um, you know, it helps that you're playing the Jaguars. I, I, I didn't quite understand the kicking of a field goal after a 15-play drive that took up 13 minutes. Uh, but 
you know, whatever. You probably only needed three points to win this game. Anyway, uh, anything to take from the Niners here other than I, I will say I do like how they're finding their rushing attack. Debo's getting involved. They finally gave Sermon some carries. Uh, you know, it, it it looked better offensively than I, I've seen in, uh, you know, the previous handful of weeks, which I think started the uh, week before versus the Rams. Yeah, ever since that game against the Rams, the, the 49ers have really kind of stepped their game up. Um, not to the surprise of many, you know, early on the season, even, the, you know, preseason, we were actually talking about the 49ers as being a potential uh, dark horse in the NFC West. We thought that they had a good shot of winning that division. Now they dealt with a lot of injuries this season and we made excuses for them and everything. But after that Ram game, it seems to really have motivated that team. Um, I like to talk a lot, a lot about Cooper Cup being a Ram fan um, and rightly so because Cooper Cup is having a great season. But one person that we don't really hear a lot about, and especially not in the media, is uh, Debo. And he, I believe he's second in the league right now in receiving yards. Uh, so he's having a great year and it's very quiet too. So, you know, good for them. Uh, they went up against a bad team. It's probably the, the type of game you want to have when you're building up momentum. Uh, but, you know, is it a little too late? I, I don't know. There's still time to maybe sneak in, you know, but they, they got to go on a win streak if they're going to make some noise. And this is definitely a good step forward. Um, especially the way they've been playing lately. So hopefully they can keep it up and uh, at least uh, make it competitive going going forward. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Ayuk, has, uh, they've decided to play him, uh, you know, these last couple uh, weeks. Uh, finally uh, dawned on him to put an elite-level receiver out there and not just let him sit on the uh, bench for uh, no reason whatsoever. So, you know, maybe San Francisco's starting to find their form. Uh, their defense has looked uh, pretty solid, too. Now, you know, I, I don't, once again, know how much to gauge that versus the Jags, who, you know, I, I don't want to bash coaches after, you know, one season in. But uh, I think, you know, I, I'm okay, you know, leaving Dan Campbell because, you know, they're playing with a cupboard bear here. I don't think the Jags are playing quite as cupboard bear. And, uh, you know, Lawrence isn't progressing. If anything, I, I think he's regressing uh, game to game. And I put that on the coaching staff here. Uh, I, I think they got to, you know, parachute this out in next season, get at least a real NFL coach. I don't care if it's a bad NFL coach, maybe not Nagy, uh, assuming he is free, but at least some, you know, young buck offensive coordinator, possibly who's touched Sean McVay's hat once in his life or something. I'm sure there's another one flowing around in there somewhere. But, you know, it, it just, Lawrence doesn't look, they don't even look to attempt to pass half the time. They just seem happy running three yards into the line of scrimmage, three yards into the line of scrimmage, and, you know, uh, broken play on third down punt. That's pretty much what they are, and then they get a token touchdown there at the end of the game. It's just, I, I don't think Urban Meyer is good for the development of Trevor Lawrence here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I just wonder how much of that has to do with the drama that went on early on earlier on this season. Um, I have to think that at some point it might, you know, be playing a role in the development of this young team because it's a very young team. Uh, but I do want to say that defensively they did a pretty good job 
um, you know, kind of shadowing Debo, who, as I mentioned, was second in the league in, in receiving uh, prior to this game. I believe he had one catch for the whole game. So they did a really good job. They had to utilize Debo in the running attack to get him involved in the game. So defensively, they do have some nice things going on. It's just, as you mentioned, it, it seems that the progression of the team has really come to a halt and it's not pretty. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, a good game. Uh, on Sunday, uh, Packers, Vikings, 34-31 uh, for the Vikings. Uh, um, a, a couple fortuitous bounces go the Vikings' way there uh, at the end. Uh, an interception that I still might think is an interception. They ruled it sort of hit the ground, and then uh, a, a, I, he did hit him in the head, but uh, I'll go a, a softish, uh, you know, roughing the passer <laughs> uh, penalty that uh, – Kept the uh, drive going, and the Vikings uh, got the three-point win here. Uh, so, good win by the Vikings. Keep themselves in uh, playoff contention. Uh, thought the Pack played pretty well in this game. Just, you know, uh, I, if they had gotten that ball back at any point, my guess is the Packers were going down and, and driving to win this game. But a, a good game overall. Uh, I, I will say, they decided to throw the ball to Jordan Jefferson, and uh, guess what? He was really, really good when he got the ball thrown to him. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't understand as I'm watching this one of the games that I actually was really interested in watching. I thought the Packers at that first half, I was completely devastated because I, I took the Packers in this game and I was like, what is going on here? The Packers are going to cost me my parlays. Um, and the Vikings, you know, kudos them. they're playing a really good game. Uh, defensively, they were bothering Aaron Rodgers. And yes, they had a few calls go their way, but you know, you can't control that. That's on the refs. So you just play and, and let, you know, let the calls go as they may. Uh, but Jefferson was having a monster game. And then, you know, when he, they weren't throwing the ball to Jefferson, you know, you had Thielen on the other side catching some crazy balls. And when he wasn't catching balls, you had Cook, you know, basically grabbing six yards on every run, it seemed. Um, and then the Packers made a game of it in that second half. And I was like, oh, here come the Vikings. They're getting ready to lose another one. Uh, but obviously they were able to hold on, you know, which, you know, good for them. They fought really hard for that win against a really tough divisional opponent, uh, divisional rival. Um, and, you know, they came off with the win. So I, kudos to the kudos to the Vikings uh, and the Packers. I'm not too concerned about it. Um, not having uh, their running back, I think, affected them a little bit more yeah, than I, I thought it would. I thought they uh, um, I thought Dylan would be a little bit better than he was. Yeah, you know, it definitely affected them. Uh, but I think they're going to be okay going forward. You know, the Packers are quietly having a pretty good season, uh, regardless of this, of the outcome of this match. And I think they'll be okay going forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm going to pose this question on another team, but, uh, if you're taking or against the Vikings, what lead would the Vikings have to have for you to feel confident that you could turn off the TV and your bet would be safe? Because three uh, touchdowns. Because I at twenty three six, I was like the Packers are getting back in this puppy. This is going to go close. So I'm curious what your number is that the uh, Vikings are safe on. Three touchdowns. Anything three touchdowns. over seventeen points. Anything over seventeen points. Yeah. Well, uh, they they were up uh, seventeen on the pack, and it uh, was a dropped interception away from losing that game. Uh, 
We'll get to the other team, which I, I think you could probably figure out uh, who had the other uh, good game of the week uh, later in the night uh, that I will ask the same question about. Uh, but we'll get to uh, our next game here. Uh, this one was not quite as exciting. Dolphins 24, Jets 17. Uh, this was pretty routine. Uh, you know, every time the Dolphins needed to score, they scored. Uh, shut down the Jets pretty good. Uh, Jets kicked a token field goal there to make it a seven-point game. But uh, Dolphins got another win, four and seven. Um, they play Carolina this weekend, and then they got a couple more easy games on the slate. Seven and seven is eyeing here. Uh, what'd you make of this game? And can the Dolphins make a push here to get to seven and seven and throw a, a little momentum their way? You know, I don't think that the outcome of this matchup was really shocking. I think we all kind of expected the Dolphins to come out victorious in this one. I think the shocking aspect of it was how close it actually uh, got. Um, you know, not to take anything away from the Dolphins defense, but the Jets offense, which I didn't really expect much from, kind of showed up. You know, their running attack seemed pretty decent. Their passing attack seemed pretty decent. Um, nothing to really write home about, but I think this is more of, you know, a lackadaisical uh, defense, defensive performance by the Dolphins. Um, they just didn't really show up as I expected them to. Um, and I, I don't know if this is kind of a trend going forward because they've been – up and down pretty much all season. And I was more impressed with the Dolphins offense, if anything. I, I thought that the Jets defense at some at you know a few points this season has actually looked like a formidable defense. Um and they can play pretty well football. So I, I don't know. This is this game is was I know it's a divisional matchup and, and I just I don't know what to make of either team right now. I know the Jets are a bad team. But the Dolphins are, are the, the real conundrum here. I don't, I don't know where to put them. Um, they seem to look like a team that's up and coming, getting their stuff together one week, and then they look like a team that's just struggling to figure things out the next week. So I don't know what quite what to make of this Dolphins team. But you know, they came out with a win at the end of the, the end of the day. All that matters is getting that W. So yeah, um, two has looked uh, you know a, a little bit more comfortable the last handful of weeks. Uh, still threw a bad pick, which is what led to one of those Jets scores. But uh, he's looking a little bit better. Uh, Waddles looked really, really good. Uh, maybe they finally found a receiver uh, there in Miami. Uh, you know, Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Uh, I, I think they're on milk cartons uh, right now. So if you've seen them, uh, please call the Dolphins front office uh, in, in case. Um Although I don't think they'd care at this point. They might not, uh, though they might want the $10 million they handed Will Fuller uh, back. Um, anyway, let's move on past that game. Uh, we'll get into, you know, Carolina-Miami, which probably is a little bit more important on Friday uh, than the Jets-Miami game. Uh, I, I think this one, maybe not the result, uh, but just the domination of this one probably took us both a little bit by surprise. Uh, but the Eagles are starting to hum here. 40-29, uh, and uh, that uh, score is really much closer than this game was. Uh, Eagles just dominated the Saints. And, uh, you know, they did it once again on the ground. 18 carries, 69 yards for Hertz. 16 carries, 94 yards for Sanders. 10 carries, 63 yards uh, for Jordan Howard. They continue their thing. 
Uh, they're pounding the rock. They're running a really, really interesting offense uh, here uh, versus Saints team who'd been really, really good against the run. Y- you know, uh, Simeon, I-, I will say, is looking worse and worse every week. And uh, really that pick six at the end of the half really put the nail in this coffin. But uh, what'd you make of this game? Eagles? uh Percolating? Are, are you getting excited that maybe uh, there's an Eagles push or good little three-game stretch here? You know, they've played good football. I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I, I really thought, well, better yet, I was shocked that the Saints defense gave this many points. I was shocked that the Saints defense performed the way it did. I thought that defensively they could come in and push the this uh, Eagles team around, which over the last couple of weeks, as you mentioned, they've been playing a lot better. But a lot of it has basically revolved around the, the running attack. Um, both Sanders and Hertz uh, both taking turns basically as playing as running backs. It, it's, it's a very weird situation. It reminds me of that early uh, Ravens team with uh, Lamar Jackson where he looked more like a running back than he did a quarterback. Um, and, and I'm hoping that at some point there's uh, some sort of progression in the uh, passing attack because I feel like if – Jalen Hurts would throw the ball a little bit more, you know, put up some more yards. This team would be really dangerous. Uh, but as it sits right now, it just it boggled my mind a little bit that, you know, as good as the Saints defense has been uh, for, you know, a good chunk of the season, that they couldn't quite figure out how to slow them down enough to prevent a 40-point uh, score uh, from this Eagles team that, yes, they have been playing better, but Realistically speaking, I mean, they don't have a lot of superstars on that team. Yeah. At least on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions. So it, it threw me off. It threw me, it threw me off a little bit, but uh, you have to give credit where credit is due. And the Eagles have been playing good football over the last few weeks. Uh, and they performed really well against the tough defense. So, you know, kudos to the Eagles. They came out, they performed well, and they got the W. So that's all I can say about the Eagles, um, the Saints. They've been so up and down this season. It's hard to really pinpoint exactly where they're standing. Um, but I guess the only thing you can hope for is, you know, some sort of uh, uh, ascension at the quarterback position at some point. Because as you mentioned, Simeon looks like he's starting to fall um, further down in that death chart, at least as far as skills concerned, um, which is concerning because if he's going to be their guy going forward, it doesn't bode well. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know what you thought of this game. Uh, you know, uh, one thing, I, I think this Eagles offense is built, you know, right now if the way they're running it for the regular season. I, I think it's tough for a team like the Saints, you know, coming off last week's game. You know, basically you have three days to prepare for a game in the NFL. Uh, you usually get Monday off, you know, it's, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, travel day, Friday, walk through, you know, Saturday, you know, normal NFL schedule, you know, give or take. So I, I think in three days to prepare for, you know, this Eagles offense and its uniqueness, I, I think it's really, really difficult for these NFL teams, you know, to sort of do that. So I, I think the Eagles might have something here, at, at least in the regular season. I'm highly curious what happens when we get in the playoffs and you're ready to prepare and teams sit down and actually study this, if this would, you know, still work. It might still work. You know, 
I, I will say Jalen Hurts, um, you know, he's never been the greatest passer, but he's always been a winner. Everybody loves playing hard for him. And I, I just think people like him, and I think there's something to that, you know. Yeah, he's going to have to improve as a passer, you know, as the years go on. But right now, I think these Eagles can make a push here. And we'll talk about the Thursday game with the Cowboys. I don't know if they can quite push, you know, this division. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, like we were talking about with the Colts and the uh, Titans. Cowboys take a loss. Eagles take another win. You know, it, it becomes sort of a one-game thing. And then it gets a little more pressurized for the Dallas Cowboys. So I, I'm just, I, I think this Eagles offense right now is hard to prepare for. And it's hard for NFL teams, you know, to sort of in three days get ready and, and be able to stop this sort of, you know, old school uh, style uh, attack from the Eagles. We'll see how uh, the Saints do this week on a short week, uh, which should be interesting overall. And, uh, you know, the other thing, if Taysom Hill gets in the game, uh, you know, they, they just gave him a weird contract extension. Um, but I don't know if he's right, especially from that hit that he took. I think it was four weeks ago where he had to be carted off. And then, you know, they said he had some other stuff, like he was capable of, you know, coming in if Simeon got hurt. But, you know, you sort of read between the lines that, uh, He's not in real great health right now, so I don't know if the Saints have much of a, you know, other choice other than Trevor Simeon, who, you know, it, it just might sink this Saints season, especially with Kamara probably not coming back this week either. Yeah, that I think that really hurt him not having Kamara. Uh, just added more to, you know, the 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 woes of that team. Yeah, uh, definitely so. Uh, all right, uh, this one will be a little bit of a fun one for us. Um, the uh, the team regressed to the mean here. Uh, five turnovers uh, for the Titans here. Uh, Tannehill was throwing picks left and right. Uh, there was a funny little bounce on a special teams punt return. And the Texans won 22-13. Uh, that being said, uh, the Texans didn't exactly rack up yards of offense here. They had 107 passing yards. Uh, Rex Burke had had... 18 carries for 40 yards. David Johnson had 13 carries for 18 yards. Uh, that's 2.2 and 1.4 yards per carry. That's not exactly churning it up Jonathan Taylor style, but uh, just sort of enough broke the Texans' way. Uh, bad offensive play continues uh, for the Titans since, uh, you know, Derrick Henry's gone out. It finally showed its head in this one, uh, you know, in and out and out uh, loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to, you do have to give a little bit of credit to that Texas defense. Uh, they pitched a shutout for that first half. And if they hadn't, if they had allowed, you know, uh, a few points or a touchdown scored, uh, I think the dynamic of that, of the of the game would have changed in favor of the Tennessee Titans, who almost made a little bit of a comeback towards the end if it wasn't for the Texans just getting enough to, to pull off the win. Um we did see a little more usage out of uh, Adrian Peterson, who is now gone. Um, but I believe that there's an upgrade there. I believe they're signing Philip Lindsay, if I'm yeah, correct. Uh, from the Texans, um, mind you. Yeah, so it, it's definitely an upgrade. Uh, I don't know if there was some talks uh, prior to the game, you let us win this one and we'll give you a running back. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but 
you know, AP is gone now. They they lose the uh, the future Hall of Famer, um, and they get the uh, the former Pro Bowl running back, um, which I think actually helps this team. I think the Phil Lindsay is an upgrade at the position, uh, but there's a lot of similarities with the two running backs that they currently have on their roster. So I don't know exactly how they utilize both of them, but you know, it'll be interesting going forward. Yeah. Uh, as stated, he's an upgrade at the position in 2021. I, yeah. you know, I keep reading the articles that, you know, hall of famer looking for team. Adrian Peterson is no longer a hall of famer. He's an old, slow, bad running back. He was a hall of famer. In the no, aforementioned we, I, 2012, now he's just a bad running back. Philip Lindsay yeah, still it, has to, a little legs. To, to make it clear, you know, he's he is a Hall of Famer. He's just not playing like a Hall of Famer anymore, or ever yeah. again, for that matter. <laughs> ever again, you you don't get better with age at running back. That's not quite how it works. Hey 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 hey! Some some of us do. Some of us do. Uh, you don't get better with age either. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one's getting a little sad on the uh, Raiders side of things, but uh, Bengals 32, Raiders 13. It, it was close for about a half, but uh, uh, I mean – Honestly, I, I didn't even think the Bengals played all that well. Defense looked a little bit better. Uh, Mixon was running all over them, but, you know, Burrow, 20-29, 148, touchdown. It, it's just uh, this Raiders team has nothing now. So uh, that's basically uh, the assessment here. I, I didn't know if you took anything else away from this. I, I didn't really get a real gauge if we're going to get more Bengals wins, or we're going to go back to what we saw the previous couple weeks from the Bengals. I just couldn't judge as bad as the Raiders were in the second half of this game. You know, the only thing I thought about when I was watching this game was the fact that it seemed like they were really trying to force the ball to chase, and it's becoming a little too predictable. Um, Thankfully, you know, Mixon had a really good game, albeit it took 30 30 touches for him to, you know, he had a lot of yards, but it took a lot of touches also. Um, everything did kind of go though the way I thought it would. I thought the Raiders would eventually kind of fold, uh, you know, with all the drama that's going on with them and the injuries and everything they're dealing with this season is has been pretty, you know, disappointing for them and their fan base. But um, this was a good opportunity for the Bengals to get right and you know, you know, get another win and and try to get back to the way they were playing football. You know, a few weeks back when um, when we were praising them, but you know main sports media wasn't so um good step forward for the Bengals and uh maybe they can keep things going to build some momentum off of this win yeah it'll be interesting to see him play Pittsburgh uh you know next week you know that being said uh I don't think any of Pittsburgh's defensive players played in the last game I don't know how many of them are going to be back for the next one so we might have to wait another week uh to judge off that but uh at least the Pittsburgh Steelers offense looked a, a little bit uh, ferocious. That being said, uh, Los Angeles certainly uh, helped them out a handful of times and another blocked butt, uh, you know, in there. Uh, but uh, next game, uh, Chiefs 19-9. to um, I, I, it, it was a good first <laughs> quarter, and then basically 
that was the football game. Uh, one quarter of football, Chiefs threw up a couple points on there, Cowboys had a couple turnovers, and then nobody could really do anything else. I, I will say the Chiefs' defense, uh, I, I won't say looks fearsome, uh, but with a healthy Frank Clark, a healthy Chris Jones, and a healthy Teron Mathau out there, uh, they at least look like they can make plays. Uh, but I, you know, I, I didn't think the offense looked all that brilliant. And you know, once the Cowboys, you know, lost Lamb, Cooper was already out, Elliott already hurt. Uh, they just went in the tank. So, what'd you make of this one? Well, as you mentioned, for the uh, Chiefs' uh, defense. Not fearsome, but when you compare it to the way the Chiefs were playing this this earlier this season, and you put them side by side, then this current Chiefs defense does look fearsome. Um, and that's not saying much, by the way. But I really thought this game was going to be more of a shootout. I thought we'd get a lot of offensive production from both sides of the ball. I know that there was injuries that they were dealing with and all that, but I, I thought that, you know, maybe the Cowboys defense would show up a little bit more than they did. I know they made a few plays, but not enough to win them the game. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the offense kind of stalled, uh, especially, you know, after that first quarter, as you mentioned. You know, the Chiefs are winning games, man. That That's all they can really ask for right now is pull-off wins, even if they're ugly wins. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes, obviously, we know what he can do. We know what, what the skill set uh, lies there. So I think the Chiefs are really banking on – getting into the playoffs and trying to figure things out as, as, um, as they go, you know, on their path to the playoffs, if they can figure things out, they've already kind of figured out defense a little bit. I know that they don't, they're not a great defense, but they don't really have the star players on defense to be that impactful. I think that this is probably about the best type of defense that we're going to get from them. Um, right now, they just really need that offense to kind of start clicking, uh, which is a little surprising when you think about, the type of players that they have on that defense, on that offense, um, and for them to perform the way they did this week. I know that Cowboys defense has been playing better, but it's still not a great defense. They should have been able to do a little bit more, in my opinion. So a little surprising that there were more points on the board, but as I mentioned earlier, Chiefs came out with the win, and that's all they really care about. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to thank Mike McCarthy. Uh, we mentioned it on our Friday show. Uh, I had alternate lines with the Chiefs at the uh, two and a half, uh, but I also had them at uh, six, seven at uh, 145 and at uh, nine and a half at, at 210. Uh, so I'd like to thank Mike McCarthy for taking a, a minute and a half at the end of halftime uh, to decide to uh, burn out all the clock and kick a field goal. And, and then, of course, uh, per always, uh, kicking a long field goal late in the fourth quarter to uh, make it 16 to nine. Uh, because, of course, the Chiefs weren't going to go down and score, uh, because who would figure that? Uh, but uh, anyway, that helped me. So we talked about the uh, Mike McCarthy, Andy Reid uh, coaching uh, point advantage, and it bared waste here uh, quite nicely uh, for me. Uh, so, you know, that being said, uh, you know, Chiefs now 7-4, and four, uh as bad a luck as they were having early, uh, that seemed to have flipped, uh, you know, the last handful of games. They got that gift versus the uh, Packers. Uh, they got another gift here with, you know, Cooper getting COVID and, and being out for this game, which, you know, clearly uh, seemed to mess with their offense. And, you know, and 
Then they played the aforementioned uh, Raiders, who have uh, decided to die in a pit of despair. Uh, so a, a nice little three-game winning streak, uh, but I, I'm still not quite all in on the Chiefs. Uh, but it looks like they're going to be in the playoffs uh, pretty easy here. So uh, with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, uh, it, it's at least a team that's dangerous. At least potentially dangerous. Potentially dangerous. That's that's a good catch there. Uh, uh, Also, I want to hammer the NFL. Uh, Us who have Sunday ticket do not enjoy a a nine-game, 1 p.m. slate. Even me, who has five TVs set up, which I get made fun of for having five TVs, cannot keep up. With a nine-game, one-p.m. slate, just because you want to bump the ratings up for your four-p.m. slate and tout it all over the world, uh, because your two other games that you put in there are being shown in two microscopic markets. So, uh, thanks for that, because uh, also I fell asleep during the Chiefs-Cowboys game because uh, <laughs> it was basically boring as hell after the four- first quarter. So, enjoy your little rating spike. I know exactly what you did. You put nine games in the 1 p.m. spot. You put three games in the 4 p.m. spot, two of which weren't even airing across the country so you could get your little billionaire boost and sell advertising. Thanks for that. Uh, me paying $300 for Sunday ticket and not being able to watch all the games because you put them all in one time slot. A little bit of a pain in the ass. All right, uh, next game up. Uh the Arizona Cardinals, 23. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, 13. Uh, Seattle's done, aren't they? Uh, they, they, uh, I don't even, this, they looked as bad offensively as I'd say the Bears uh, look right now. Uh, you know, Russell's come back, no touchdowns. Uh, it, it's a miracle they got 13 points in this game. And to just get beat up by this Cardinals team, who's basically the last three games said, we're okay losing these next three games. Just let us get a healthy Kyler and Hopkins back. And they've ended up winning two of them. So uh, I I think Seattle's done this year. I'm curious on your take on this game, but also long view on Seattle here. I think this thing probably has to be... I just, I think this thing probably has to be fully retooled. It's probably time to rebuild the Seahawks era. Probably done. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard for me to, to look at the Seattle Seahawks team, especially, you know, being a guy whose team is in the NFC West, who's constantly had to watch Seahawks games, you know, uh, year in and year out. And it really imagine the Seahawks team kind of exploding and starting over again. Um, now, mind you, they do have key pieces already set in place, which is going to be a huge boost to rebuilding this thing. It's not a complete rebuild. It's more of a remodel uh, is, is the way I'm looking at this. Um, I still wouldn't want to play the Seahawks team. Now, I think that they'll get better as the season progresses. Um, I know that we're basically in that latter half of the season already, but I still think that in a couple of weeks, the Seahawks team will improve. Because right now, I think the biggest issue is that Russell Wilson doesn't look right. Uh, you know, I, I think they really rushed him. I, I mentioned it last week. 
they they saw that they had a shot at sneaking into the playoffs. So they they really rushed it. And, and I'm sure he has something to do with it also, but they really rushed his return. And I think it's really, you know, evident when you watch the way he's been playing, he's not making the type of throws he he normally does. Um, he's missing guys and his reads aren't, aren't quite there. It seems like he, he goes after his first read and then he's quickly looking for his check down. Um, you know, the running attack hasn't been all that great defensively. We thought that they were starting to get better and then they come out against a, you know, banged up Arizona Cardinals team, as you mentioned, that basically said we're okay with losing games right now. And, and they still couldn't stop them. It's completely mind-boggling. Um, but I guess it's just where we're at now. It's it's to the point where the Seahawks team is going to have to remodel. They're, they've already got their main guys that they know they're going to stick with. But they're going to have to retool a lot of you know different aspects of that team. And I think it's going to have to start off with that defense because this is not a Seahawks defense. You know, over the last 10 seasons, when you think about the Seahawks defense, you think about a pretty – ferocious, aggressive defense, you know, defense is going to get after the quarterback and, and make big plays in that secondary. And it's not what they have right now. You know, you saw all that pent up aggression boiling over into the game. Um, I believe it was Metcalf who was, you know, having altercations with other players and he's a little bit of a hothead himself, um, which listen, wide receivers tend to be, you know, divas and not to call him a diva, but he's a diva. Uh, and when things aren't going right for that team, you start to see these pent-up frustrations really come to light. And I think that their best hope right now is try to get healthy and just, you know, win as many games as you can. But I think this season is pretty much done for them. Um, I don't see a way where they can sneak in and make an impact if they were to sneak in. So um, I think the Seahawks are done. Yeah, I think they're done too. Uh that Adam straight with the Jets, uh, you know, I, I think both of us thought that was a really solid, smart move, you know, uh, when they did it two years ago. But uh, he just, he's not good in coverage and, and he's not, you know, uh, making the, you know, pass rushing plays uh, that, you know, he was making. Uh, so that cost him first round picks and, you know, they paid him a ton of money and, it's just, it's a mess. So last thing on this game, uh, Pete Carroll's been there forever. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know he's a fine coach, but do you sort of just really hit the reset button here? Sort of get rid of Carroll, bring in new voice, new team? You know, this is where the issue lies, is I, I think that this is going to be up to upper management now because – we saw during the offseason there were there was a little bit of a miscommunication issues with um, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson uh, to the point where a lot of people thought Russell Wilson might actually jump ship and go somewhere else. Um, and, and I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there. You know, I know that they have a lot of love for each other and they've been through a lot together, but at some point, you know, when you're not winning, you can't hide the flaws. You can't hide the issues and, and they're becoming more apparent. Um, so they're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to try and make this dysfunctional family work? Uh, which it's happened. We've seen it in different sports. You look at, you know, the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, there was a lot of dysfunction there, but they made it work. Can the Seahawks do a similar type of situation with, you know, the head coach and Russell Wilson, their star player? Can they make this work? Can, can they have the dysfunction, you know, uh, just be, 
you know, a side thing uh, as long as you're winning games because winning solves everything. And, and when you're not winning games, these kind of things are going to start to fester and they're going to start to build. And, and I think this is what's happening right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't know which way they'd lean, but <clears throat> I think they're going to have to make a decision. Either they move on from Pete Carroll, which would be really hard to do because he's been a good coach for them, or you try to see what you can get out of Russell Wilson and use that as your, uh, you know, building rebuilding process. Uh, but it, either way, I think it's going to be a tough decision. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Uh, anything on the Cardinals? I, I just, there, there's nothing to judge. Impressive. It, you know, no, it, but, but impressive. impressive. It's impressive for as a team to get the wins, but you know, we can't be like, Oh, cool. We haven't seen Kyler. We haven't seen Hopkins. Uh, way to stay in front. I think the buy is going to be really, really important for teams in the playoffs this year, and they kept themselves in that position. So that's impressive. Yeah. Kingsbury's been impressive. Yeah, I, I do want to say that, you know, he's done a really good job at putting together a game plan that's suitable for Cole McCoy, um, where he's not putting him in a situation where he has to do too much. You know, you look back at what I was saying about Baker Mayfield. That's what he's doing with Cole McCoy. Cole McCoy's making plays when he has to make plays and he's relying on his defense and his running game. That's exactly what the Cleveland Browns should be doing with uh, Baker Mayfield. But, you know, kudos to, to Kingsbury. He's done a really good job at putting together a good game plan, and that's the reason why they're in first place, man. Uh, if I told you that Geno Smith would have more wins at home uh, than Russell Wilson uh, this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be like, you, you're you worse liar than, than I am. odds on that. I don't know, but I wish we knew. I probably would have drawn some action on that. All right. Uh, I, I asked you this question about the Vikings. I said I'd ask it about another team. How much do the Chargers have to be ahead for you to turn off the TV? <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with the three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Oh, I'm going to say three touchdowns. Listen, this game, I, I okay, I'm. I have to come clean. Uh, as you know, we've both been dealing with uh, a little bit of a sickness uh, issue going around here on Greenlight. Not anything serious like COVID, just minor stuff. But because of that, um, I actually ended up falling asleep with some NyQuil uh, halfway through oh, this game. Which is actually watching looked... the Chiefs-Cowboys game as well. <laughs> I think that's actually when I fell asleep. But I did open my eyes and I started watching this game a little bit. And it looked a little bit entertaining. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a complete domination. Uh, and when I kind of, you know, got up and got ready to do my thing, I looked at the scoreboard. I was like, what happened here? So I went back and I did the, uh, the I watched the, re uh, the replay of this game. And boy, man, this Chargers defense cannot stop anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised they were able to pull off the win here. They can't stop a nosebleed. It, it's insane that they've actually pulled off as many wins as they have. Uh, I guess I have to give them credit for doing that because if you were to tell me, look at this defense, how many wins do you think they'd have at the end of the year? I don't think I'd come close to what they have now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kudos them for pulling off the win. But if you're a Chargers fan, uh, I'm walking on eggshells right now. Yeah, I, I was going to – I'm not going to focus much on the Steelers here because, like I said, uh, basically Casey Hayward was out there for their defense, and then I think they were picking out fans from the uh, stands uh, to fill in spots here because uh, all their defense was gone. Uh, but, you know, this was the most Chargers things ever. Missed kicks, a blocked punt, 
Uh, I have to ask about the uh, um, the going for it. Yes, I, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, but in a tied game on the 30-yard line, not their 30-yard line, your 30-yard line. <laughs> um, I'm not really cool with that uh, level of aggressiveness. No uh, hatred towards Eckler here. He, he's a great running back, but he is about 5'8 and maybe 190 pounds. Probably not the greatest call to run him into the middle of the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. Uh, like I said, Casey Hayward was still there. Uh, don't love that call. Uh, granted, they got away with it. They hit Mike Williams on that ridiculous play to end this game. Uh, you know, are you more confident in the Chargers going forward, or are you less confident in the Chargers going forward? They looked terrible for week. about two weeks, and then this week they found their offense, at least, I will say. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the first, first quarter of the season, I was really confident with the Chargers. They were, they, even though they weren't playing great defense, they were playing really stellar offense, um, enough so that it was masking the holes on that defense. Um, and you're talking about, you know, Staley, a, a defensive-minded coach, and there's simply no defense to, to, you know, to speak of there. I think even though they're winning games, I'm more concerned now than I was earlier on. Even though they've won the last couple of weeks, I'm still more concerned simply because of the way they've had to win, um, which is definitely not the way you want to win, especially if you're, try if you're trying to make a statement, uh, you know, being the big dogs of the division, which, uh, you know, right now it seems like it's going to be up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm curious if this offense is a good, you know, even like next week, uh, just because there were so many of the Steelers out. I, I think we've punted on the Chargers defense, you know, being good anymore the rest of this season. But the question probably is, can they at least get into sort of these offensive shootout type games? Uh I just don't know. I don't even know if I trust them to be a playoff team right now. They got at Denver, at the Bengals, Giants coming up. I think they need to win all three of those uh, to sort of prove to me that they can at least beat the same tier I, I put, you know, Broncos, Bengals, Chargers in uh, to prove that they're on that level. Because, yes, the offense finally looked back to what it was, but... I mean, how much of that was just playing, you know, backups on the Pittsburgh Steelers here? So that would be my only concern, especially, you know, uh, defensively, because they are going to get shredded every week. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know, a lot of teams struggle to put up 27 points in a game. They gave up 27 points in the fourth quarter. The yeah. fourth quarter, one quarter. I mean, that's not playoff caliber football. That's not, you know, winning playoff, you know, defense. Uh, I don't care how good your offense is. If you can't play defense, as the Chiefs have pretty much proved to us so far this season, this is the reason why the Chargers are where they are right now in their division standings, because the Chiefs haven't been playing any defense. So, you know, I don't care how good that offense is. You, you can't play that type of defense. You can't give up 27 points in the fourth quarter, uh, especially to, uh, you know, a 60-year-old quarterback. Team. Yeah, it's yeah, not like exactly. the Steelers are – you know, 
were breaking down offensive barriers the previous you know exactly. 10 weeks of the season. Uh, let's go to the last game of the week. Uh, Bucks 30, Giants 10. Uh, this game was uh, awful. Uh, anything other than Bucks good, Giants bad? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, this, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game because again, I was, you know, dealing with a little bit of an illness uh, because even though I was starting to turn the corner, started to feel better. And for some reason I decided to get brave and uh, face the elements. And I went to go watch a UT football game, um, a night game uh, when it was uh, 34 degrees outside. Uh, so I wasn't feeling too well, so I fell asleep in the first half. It seems uh, I, like I'm those sorry, were the second excuses half. I gave to not go to said game. <laughs> yeah, those were the excuses you gave tonight because I, I invited you to come, uh, you and your, uh, uh, your, you know, your your partner to come uh, hang out with me and mine. And um, yeah, I, I probably should have uh, listened to you and uh, done the smarter thing and stayed home. And I think that uh, I would have been able to watch this uh, really bad game. Um, Listen, the Bucks are starting to trend upwards, uh, even though they're still dealing with some injuries and they're not as good as they were last season, you know, and the Giants are just kind of flatlined. I, I mean, I like the Giants. I like their players, but they just don't have it, man. It, it's maybe next season. Yeah. Uh, the only thing coming out of this game is Garrett uh, lost his uh, OC job, uh, you know, I think at a point in time, he was a solid offensive coordinator. He just never seemed to uh, adapt uh, to, you know, newer offenses. Uh, so he, he uh, the only thing uh, about that, though, is somehow I, I think they've gotten worse. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw who they hired uh, to call plays for the rest of the season. Uh, but it's Freddie Kitchens. Um, somehow, possibly the worst head coach of all time in the NFL uh, you, you might remember him from his Cleveland Brown days of being absolutely atrocious. Um, somehow now he's in charge of calling the offense. How do you somehow downgrade from Jason Garrett into the Freddie Kitchens world? You know what it is. Uh, Kitchens is coming in with a whole new mentality and a, and a whole new vision. Um, he's going More to make noise. For Daniel he... Jones. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. The only thing I could think of is they're they're they know they're not going to do anything this season. Uh, just hire somebody to try and at least change the uh, the the perception in the locker room, and maybe it changes minds a little bit. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of because really, uh, the move doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. That's the only thing that I could think of. Did he magically become a smart offensive coordinator? I'm telling you, he's got all these new crazy ideas. Uh, do you remember that playbook from the Water Boy? Yeah, I. He he found it, and well, I think I that's think that what he's was the with. one he was running in Cleveland. So, <laughs> which might be too kind to him. That there at least was something on paper. Yeah, there was some trick plays there. <laughs> all right, uh, that does it for our recap and review. Let's get into our best and worst of the week. What do you got on the best side of things on the offensive? Let's see, uh, for best of the week on offense, uh, I think it's not going to come as much of a surprise here. I'm going with running back Jonathan Taylor of Indianapolis. Uh, Taylor had a great game. He tallied up 185 rushing yards, four touchdowns, and he had three catches for 19 yards. Uh, 
also with his uh, fifth uh, touchdown for the game. So he had a monster game, really good performance, and he seems to be getting better and better. So uh, Taylor, Offensive Player of the Week for, uh, you know, best of the week. Yeah, uh, I'm going with Taylor and throwing a a little bit of a tie there with uh, Eckler, who had a really, really good game as well. Uh, Two running backs, really good games uh, for them. All right, how about on the defensive side of things? Uh, Best of the week on defense, I wanted to – single out you know a couple people I really like the linebackers and I almost picked them but I thought the entire defensive unit deserved praise and we're going with the New England Patriots here who pitched a shutout last Thursday against the Falcons Falcons. that doesn't count I know listen I know it's the Falcons regardless of the opponent if you pitch a shutout you're probably gonna end up on my list for best defense of the week so Patriots defense best of the week yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs guy, uh, Clark, uh, Allen, Mathow. Uh, sort of gotten this uh, Chiefs uh, defense back uh, a little bit on track. More to what we were used to the previous couple seasons. Yeah, they're still going to give up yards. Yeah, they're probably still going to give up points. But at least they're getting pressure on the quarterback, uh, forcing mistakes. So uh, I'll, I'll go with that trio on, on the Chiefs side of the defense this week. How about on the coaching front? Uh, best of the week. So for best of the week on on the coaching side, uh, I almost went with Bill Belichick, but I thought that you would say what you just said about my you know defensive pick this week. At this point, you know, going I up think against you the could Falcons, a game plan that could shut down Atlanta. <laughs> That's why I didn't go with Bill Belichick. Although I felt like he was deserving, I actually thought that. Uh, you know what, Coach David Coley of Houston did was more impressive. Uh, going up against uh, not just you know a divisional rival, but you know probably the hottest team in the AFC, maybe hottest team in the NFL and completely uh, shutting them out for that first half and then doing enough to keep, you know, your team ahead uh, to end the game and pull off a win against the Tennessee Titans. I thought that was pretty impressive. So I thought a guy who we really don't give any praise to uh, deserving of best coach of the week, uh, Houston Texans, Coley. Yeah. Uh, I've given him a couple of shout outs. I, I'm going to continue. Uh, Kingsbury, uh, has somehow managed to win two games without Hopkins, without Murray, uh, even really without his running backs, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks too. He, he's found a way winning at Seattle. Yes, uh, they've won like one home game uh, this year, but uh, nonetheless, uh, still pretty impressive there uh, what the Cardinals has done uh, to maintain, uh, you know, the number one seed out in the NFC. Uh, you know, we'll get into it as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, but I'm telling you, that bye is going to be so, so important uh, this year. Having to only play two games, not having to play three. All these teams are so close, uh, you know. I think it's just really, really important uh, to get that one seed in that bye uh, this year. So to maintain that uh, without really your whole side of offense that you run it through and to win two of those games uh, going into a bye week, really impressive for Kingsbury. All right, uh, let's go to the worst side of things. Uh, a lot to pick from uh, this week. So uh, where are you going? Okay, worst of the week on offense. Surprise, surprise. The Falcons made worst of the week list. You know, Matt Ryan threw for just over 150 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, while the running attack mustered a measly 40 rushing yards combined at home. So the Falcons offense as a whole, worst of the week. Yeah, uh, I got a couple here, but, uh, you know, I I just, this is on a curve here. Josh Allen has to be better, Uh, you know. 
to win games, he has to be really, really good. He has been a little bit hot and cold this year, and I, I did not think he played well in, in that game versus the Colts. Yes, he was getting pressure, uh, but he's got to be better. Uh, so my guy is Josh Allen. Yes, there were much, much worse uh, players, uh, but we consider the Bills one of the top teams. Uh, so I dignify that as being more important uh, than, you know, even say your crappy Falcons who we expect uh, despair and death from. Uh, we don't expect that from the Bills uh, this year, though. Maybe we ought to, uh, judging from the, the games we've seen so far. So Josh Allen gets mine on that uh, side of things. How about on the defensive side of things? Listen, before I give you my defense, I just want to say the reason why I picked the Falcons on this, this particular week, because two weeks ago, I was praising Matt Ryan as being, you know, the best fantasy quarterback on my team. And I had, uh, you know, Titans quarterback and I had Matt Ryan and he was actually the more productive quarterback uh, on my fantasy team. Now, after I said that two weeks in a row, I was going to ask how's that had been horrible the last games. two weeks? Yeah, he said horrible games, so I had to do it. If, you know, if, if not for just my fantasy team, so I had to. Uh, anyways, worst of the week defense. Um, I'm going with the Panthers. You know, just when we thought that they might start to turn, uh, turn things around, the Panthers did Panther things, and they forgot to play defense uh, versus a poor Washington team, allowing Heineken to throw three touchdowns and also allowing 190 rushing yards. So Panthers defense, worst of the week. Uh, I'm going Saints uh, defensively, uh, and, and mostly that uh, defensive line up there uh, got bullied around, uh, just let the Eagles run all over them. Uh, you know, everybody has a bad game, but that really, really cost them. They're now 5-5. Five and five. they got to play on a short week against the Bills, who are coming off a loss, so it, it just puts that much more pressure on that game uh, this week for them to sort of keep up. So I'm going Saints on uh you know, defensive side of things, especially along that defensive line. All right, coach on the uh, worst of the week. Uh, once again, so, that could be a long list as well. Yeah, listen, there were definitely many candidates, okay? Um, and I thought about calling out Pete Carroll, uh, you know, in a must-win must game versus a hurting Arizona team um, dealing with injuries to their star players. But I'm going to give it to him and someone else. I'm going with the, the co-winner here. Uh, Pete Carroll and Matt Nagy both lost to teams without their best weapons. You know, both teams had a really good shot. They were in situations where this game could have been really important if they would have been able to pull off a win. Uh, and they should have pulled off a win. They really should have. So for that reason alone, Matt Nagy, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll normally doesn't go on here. So it's kind of surprising. But both of them, worst of the week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Matt Nagy. Hopefully, hopefully, For this the last will time. be the end, and this will be the last time. Uh, basically, anytime with a uh, minute 40 left and you call a timeout on a PAT, uh, you should probably be just fired uh, right then and there on the spot. Um, but for some reason, the Bears want to continue this misery of watching that man try to... Uh, I don't know, manage a game uh, using uh, loose uh, terms. So uh, Matt Nagy, worst of the week uh, for me. So uh, that's our best and worst of the week. Let's get into a couple of the Turkey Day games. Um, this is not a good slate of Turkey Day games. Um, granted, we are always 
bruised early by the Lions game, uh, but somehow they managed to double dip here and uh, throw in the Bears uh, with it. Uh, so that spread is three uh, over under 41. Um, what, anything on this one? Uh, any action, any love, uh, any bets uh, on the uh, Bears or Lions? All right, so check this out. Or who will win? <laughs> you know, I was, I, okay, I can't tell or you that. Or who the quarterbacks really will be. If you can name either. Listen, I can tell you what I hope will happen. And and that's probably Jared Goff playing and the Lions pulling off their first win. That's kind of what I hope will happen. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I, I, I really can't tell you. I don't know how to really handicap this game. But I did manage to pull off a couple little things here that maybe we can play into a little bit. There's a little bit of juice in the, in some of these games and, and I've got a little bit uh, in each one. So let me just give you some on this one. So the Lions currently are 30th in points per game uh, at 16. Um, they've actually had one game where they scored over 20 points and that was versus San Francisco where they scored 33 points. Um, they've had under 20 points nine times, including a matchup against the Bears in week four, where they scored 14 points. The other side of the ball, the Bears are 29th uh, in the league in points per game at 16.3. Um, they've had five games where they scored over 20 points, and they've had five games where they scored under 20 points. So the only bets that I could find that with enough juice to make, make it somewhat interesting um, was – Will both teams score 30 points or more? Um, if you pick yes, you're at plus 1,000 there. There's a little bit of juice there, uh, especially if you go just based off the average of points per game scored and points per game given up. Um, now, if you're feeling really risky, which I wouldn't recommend, uh, will both teams score 40 points or more? That was at plus 3,300. So there's a little more juice than that. The, the problem then is you have to hope that both offenses show up and – if we don't know who the quarterback is for uh, – if, if I'm getting Jared Goff, I feel a little bit more confident taking a little more risk and taking that over 40, uh, especially with the divisional matchup, you know, Turkey Day special. But, again, a lot of that's going to depend on who's playing. Yeah, I, I got a couple um, – I, I should probably say I, I probably am not betting on any of these three games. Uh, but I, I got a couple props in this one. Darnell Mooney, first touchdown, uh, plus 800. Uh, um, no Allen Robinson, so Darnell's been pretty uh, decent for the Bears. Um, I will use those terms relatively in that they throw for about 120 yards passing a game. But nonetheless, uh, Dalton at least utilized him a little more than Fields has. So first touchdown for Mooney. Uh, DeAndre Swift, over 64 and a half yards. Uh, if you watched the Bears last week, uh, that defensive line, not what it was. So maybe uh, Swift will be able to char them up. Uh, Mooney over 56 and a half yards. And then a fun one, Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, over 154 and a half total yards combined at uh, plus 115. So uh, we assume the ball will be run a lot. Uh, neither of these defenses is all that uh, – Great, though, I guess if you were looking at a side of the ball, maybe that's their better side of the ball. I'm not really sure, uh, but uh, 
we'll just go with that uh, because both these teams are god-awful. Uh, but, yeah, no play on the uh, spread here. Uh, maybe, maybe toss a little bit on the Detroit Lions uh, money line, uh, but... I don't think I could even advise that because they looked atrocious last week. Like I said, Cleveland was trying to purposely hand them that game and they could not take it. Uh, I think there should be a prop on what's the furthest uh, down in distance in the closing minutes of a game that uh, one team will decide to run the ball uh, instead of pass. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, so, you're so heated by that play, aren't you? Well, yes. Because I had the Lions. All they had to do was throw the Bears. Oh, we'll get over it. All right, uh, next yeah. game. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this almost looked like a good game on paper. Uh, you start diving deep into it. Uh, Cooper's going to be out. Injury report. <laughs> Lamb's probably going to be out. A uh, couple of the Dallas offensive linemen going to be out. Zink's ankle is uh, banged up. And the uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, have not resembled a football team in four weeks. So uh, seven and a half, pretty big number, 50 and a half over under. I'd like to take the Raiders uh, because of the injuries on the Cowboys things, uh, but uh, I just can't make myself. You've watched him play. Yeah, I've watched him play. (laughs) I can't make myself do it. So, uh Convince me anything in this one that you like. <laughs> Listen, usually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more conservative when it comes to gambling, and I usually tend to find something um, as far as spreads go, or at least an over/under. I don't like anything for this Thanksgiving. I think the best thing this Thanksgiving is going to be probably the turkey, and that's about it. Um, but for this one, I do have a couple uh, possible plays. Now, there's a little bit of juice, not a lot of juice, but if you really feel the need to actually, you know, put a little juice into this game, um, if if C.D. Lamb doesn't play because he's still questionable, he's still up in there, there's a chance he might, there's a chance he might not. Um, if, he, if he doesn't play, uh, Michael Gallup to score at any time is at plus 145 right now. Um, if he does play, uh, Pollard to score at any time is at 130. And, of course, with Zeke being kind of banged up, there's a good shot that if they get in close, uh, Pollard will get that carry. So um, I thought there's a little bit of juice there. It's a little intriguing, at least. It'll give you something to think about playing. Yeah. Uh, I got two to spin off your Pollard theory. Pollard over 39 and a half rush yards. And then Pollard longest rush, 12 and a half yards. Uh, he usually breaks one anyway, uh, once a game for over about, uh, you know, 12 and a half. So, like that one, like the uh, over 39 and a half. Because they're either blowing this game out or Zeke's banged up, so he probably gets a majority of the carries. Uh, we mentioned all the receivers out, so they'll probably go to the run game. I, I can't make a play. Uh, maybe, maybe by like Wednesday at uh, 3.50. I'll have talked myself into... 3.52 p.m. and 33 I, seconds. I'll have talked myself in <laughs> to the Raiders. Uh, but it will have to be a, a lot of talking, possibly a couple glasses of Mezcal or something, uh, and maybe the uh, terribleness of watching the Lions-Bears game beforehand all creates a, a nice little cocktail where they talk myself into the Raiders. But uh, next up, uh, this one looked good last year. Um, it did not look good after last week. Uh, Bills going to Saints. 
Pills are five and a half point road favorites. Uh, I know we've talked about, uh, you know, home teams, uh, but I am not taking a team going into New Orleans on Thanksgiving Day, giving five and a half points, especially this Bills team, which uh, we don't know what Bills we're getting. Uh, so what's your handicap on this one? 45 and a half on the over-under. Yeah, I mean, listen, on paper, I like the Bills to win this game. And, you know, it was it any other season, I'd probably say they cover this spread. But as you mentioned, both of these teams have actually been very wishy-washy. We don't know exactly what we're getting. It, it seems to change from week to week. So for that reason alone, I'm not playing the spread and I'm not playing an over-under on this one. But I do have uh, a couple things here. Um you know, the Bills have the second stingiest defense, uh, giving up 17.6 points per game. Um, the Saints are 10th in uh, points per game given up at 21.8. Um, the Bills on the offense side of the ball have the second best points per game in the NFL at 29.5, while the Saints rank 14th in points per game with 25.1. Um, and both these plays are, will both teams score 30 points or more? If you're going just based off the averages, a yes will give you plus 725, which is not bad. Um, depends on which teams show up again. And uh, if you're feeling a little risky, um, will both teams score 40 points or more? That one's at plus 3,300. So there's a little more juice on that one. But, of course, um, with those defenses and the amount of points that they give up, it's a toss-up. Yeah. I got two. Uh, first touchdown, Josh Allen, is 12-1. to 1. Uh, If you watched uh, Hertz, uh run on the Saints to death. Uh, I, I think there's at least an option uh, there for Allen to get that first uh, touchdown. 12-1, uh, to 1, pretty good price. And then uh, I did an alternate spread uh, going with the Bills theory that they either blow you out or lose. Uh, so Bills, minus 13.5 is plus 210. So uh, either the Bills will blow them out or they're going to lose. So uh, <laughs> might as well try to get 2-1 to one on that uh play and see if you can get anything so uh what what a turkey day i got a couple other fun oh, yeah. ones uh you know just thanksgiving day special highest scoring game at plus 200 i got the bills and saints uh you can pretty much knock that lions bears game out of it uh so you know you're getting two to one with a head-to-head -head versus cowboys and raiders and yeah, anybody who's watched the Raiders uh, lately realize they don't have any offense. The Cowboys might not have any players. So two to one for Bill Saints. Uh, after what I saw defensively from these two teams last week, decent shot. Uh, this one, not quite as a decent much a shot, uh, but I thought five to one. Highest scoring team, Bears, plus 500. Uh the Lions defense, a um, little shady in the uh, secondary. Uh, so maybe Andy Dalton, uh, Nagy gets aggressive, throws all over the place. They beat up on the Lions and score a lot of points. I'm not quite as sold on that one as the one above, uh, but 5-1 to one, uh, seemed like a relatively decent odds. Uh, lowest scoring team, Saints at 4-1. to one. Um Technically speaking, the Bills have a top-rated defense. Um, granted, that was not what we saw last week, but the previous seven, eight weeks, it's been pretty good. So maybe the Saints, without Camara, I thought 4-1, to one, pretty decent. Uh, 
tough kind of to grab that one uh, when the Bears and Lions are playing in a game. But uh, nonetheless, uh, thought four to one was pretty decent odds. This one I do like a lot, though. Most rushing yards. DeAndre Swift at plus 500. So five to one. Swift, who had the most rushing yards, you pretty much ax out the Bills. Uh, I pretty much ax out the Saints here. Uh, they have no running back to speak of. The Cowboys, Zeke's hurt, so they're probably going to split a lot of the carries between him and Pollard. So that leaves Montgomery. That leaves Swift. I kind of like Swift. Five to one seems like pretty good uh, money on that one. And then the next one. Yeah, and, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I was just going to add. I was going to add that, you know, for those that think that if there's a chance that Kamara plays in this one, even if he does play, they've obviously, um, you know, found a nice little rhythm with Ingram. So I feel like even if he does play, there's yeah. going to be a good split there. So it's not something to be too concerned about. So yeah. just thought, thought I'd add it in there, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. And he'd probably be pretty limited too. They might just get him on the field to try to shift defenses a little bit than actually, you know, hand him the ball. Uh, and, and then last, most receiving yards. Uh, we talked about Darnell Moody. Uh, without the Cowboys guys going, there's a shot here. Uh, Lions, you can pretty much, uh, I, I don't even know if they actually employ receivers anymore. Um, the only ones to really be nervous about would be, uh, you know, Stephen Diggs uh, from the Bills. Uh, so that would be the one, but at uh, 10 to 1, uh, he had a big week last week at 124 yards. Uh, I think that's a decent shot there. And then you got a counter, Waller at plus 500. Uh, so you got a 5 to 1 Waller. Um, they probably will try to force the ball into him, at least on Thursday night. So maybe he hits that. So Mooney at 10 to 1, Waller at 5 to 1 for most receiving yards. Nice. It's, it's actually, I like those. I might take take you up on some of those. Yeah, those seem uh, much better than the uh, in-game ones. Uh, maybe uh, if I get a feel, I might tweet out a pick for the Thanksgiving game. But uh, right now, uh, I'm a no-go pretty much on all of them. Uh, it, well, I'm going to have to make sure I stay tuned to your Twitter account if that's the case. What's, what's your Twitter handle again? I'm at GLNChamp5. Where can we find you, Achilles? You can find me at TD Achilles, shameless plug, shameless plug. All right. We'll be back on Friday to uh, get all the games under our belt. Uh, the Rams return for a big game in Lambeau. I can already feel his nervous tension as it's 10 degrees and snowing there. Uh, we'll see if they can handle the elements, but uh, we'll be back Friday. Don't forget, Dynamite David will be with us for our college football show that we'll, we're recording today. And we'll drop later uh, Thursday. So get all on that. Like and subscribe. That's our show. And we're out.